Ladies and gentlemen, this is Billy Alexander, and we are again behind the mic. And guys, today is one of the best shows I think that I'm going to put out today because I've been wanting to do this for quite a long time. I've known this guest for, well, let's see, this is 2020, so seven years. My God, it's a long time. Um, we've learned a lot of different things. We've worked on a lot of really good projects together. And you can find them out there. I'll give you all that information later on in the show. But this is Behind the Mic with Billy Alexander. You know it's uncensored. Anything said is allowed. Anything talked about is allowed. Because you know what? I don't give a shit what you think about it. It's my show. But ladies and gentlemen, today's special guest is none other than a man that I've gone to respect over the last seven years. I stand next to him with a lot of projects. I, I respect him as a man. I respect him as a business person, a partner in a business. And, well, you know, maybe a friend one day, if he accepts that. Uh, he'll, have to, he'll have to answer that in himself. But he is a multi-time heavyweight champion here in PWA in Springfield. He's a former multi-time tag champion in a few different other places as well. Um, this guy has gone on the road and done lots of things. He's traveled down uh, south, and we'll talk about that too a little bit today as well. Ladies and gentlemen, none other than Zero Hype Guy Smith. Welcome to the show, and thanks for taking time out of your day. What's up, man? Thanks for having me. Man, it's been a long time, bro. Man, it's been it's been a while. <laughs> I mean, look at my wrist here. I think it's been it's been over three and a half months. I mean, I we haven't uh, no shows. We haven't been to do we haven't been able to do our, our, our own recording. We haven't done anything. Yeah, man, it's um, been big monkey wrench and everything. Yeah, so the, the coronavirus kinda... has kind of kicked everybody in the balls. Riding it out, and um, I don't know. It's probably good. We probably we could probably all use a little a uh, little time to reflect and uh, think about all the things we can't do. You know what I mean? When when you're doing when you're when you're in the grind, right? Right. You start to take stuff for granted, and you get you get into these grinds. And I, I this is applicable to wrestling. I'm sure it's applicable to anything else. Of course. But I notice it the most with wrestling. You get in that grind. You get doing stuff. You start to take it for granted. It becomes almost a chore. You know, so sometimes exactly. having a little bit of forced, you know, time away, a little forced time off, it, it makes you reappreciate, reevaluate, you know, and, and gives you time to miss it and want to get back to it. The the one thing I noticed, I mean, and I noticed it right away when I, we had to cancel our first show. Yeah. Um, and, and you've known this for, for the past so many years is when it came show day, I was a stressed out mess uh -huh. from 6 a.m. <laughs> until the show was over and we left the building all right. the time. Right. Um you know, promoting and pushing and videos and making sure people there on time and getting this done and getting that. So when I woke up that day and I'm like, there's no show today. Mm -hmm. I don't have to run around like a chicken as you hear it outside with the head cut off and try to figure out how to get this done today. I get to sit back and say, holy shit, what do I do? Yeah. Um, and here again, as I said, it's been three long months. You know, we've had to cancel our biggest show of the year, of course. Uh, but yeah, you're right. I mean, it's a chore. It's, it's a habit. You're into it. And then you just have to figure out what to do now because you don't get to do that daily thing or right. weekly thing or, yeah. or, or, or monthly thing even. Um, but this here is the Behind the Mic podcast. It is 100% uncensored. Anything we talk about um, is is for the fans. That's all this is. It's got a lot of people out there who don't know a lot of PWA that, mm -hmm. that listen to some of my stuff now. Um, they have got a little taste of what PWA is. They've seen some of the videos. They've seen some of Fight TV. They've seen some of the matches because I, I, I put some of them up. Um, today's, today's interview will be even interesting because there's a lot of stories that I know that Guy Smith has. <laughs> um, from the beginning to the end. 
And speaking of beginning, the beginning for me with, with Guy Smith was, was in January of 2013. Um, Pinfall Wrestling Association was, was running rampant in a small, dingy, dirty, smelly, nasty little building uh, called the uh, 12th Street JC's Building. Uh, I mean, you walk in this place and it was like, I'd say it was probably 10 times worse than what the ECW arena was when they first started. Man. But years it's later, just, you know it's not as bad as what the ECW arena yeah, turned into. It's definitely smaller than the ECW <laughs> arena. Um, but it was home. And, mm-hmm. and we made it work. And we did for a couple of years. Now, I walked in in January of 2013 to my first PWA show. It was called right. New Beginnings. Yep. They, were trying, they were turning over a new leaf, trying to do something new. And some of you guys I had met before... Um, at another show that you guys did for a whole other company many years prior to that, and we'll get to part of that soon. You had a heavyweight championship title match against the heavyweight champion at the time, which was Rip Mystic, Hall of Famer Rip Mystic. Um, he was part of a group called The Uninvited, him and John Magnus. Uh, Magnus was his, his little toady that walked around with him all the time, did his dirty work for him. <laughs> right. um, and you had a chance to... Wrestle one of the greats here in Central Illinois for a heavyweight championship match. And that's when I first met you and, and some of the other guys that I've, I've come to know over the last seven years. Um, and I was just a spectator. I was, in the, I was in the stands. I was watching. I had a good time. Uh, I had a verbal argument with John Magnus right before your match started. And then I sat back and I watched you guys do what you do. Um, is there anything you remember specifically about maybe that match or that, that night or anything like that, knowing that you were going into this? Um. Man, you know, not really. Um, it, it was uh, not my first time wrestling Rip Mystic. Sure, sure. Um, it was my first time with the PWA title, winning the PWA title and, and stepping into that position. And that, that always feels good when a company is willing to put, you know, kind of put the company on your back. You know what I mean? And... Uh, you know, I, I was I was a seasoned vet by then. You know, I, I don't like I don't like to I, I really hate that word better and I don't like to throw that okay. around much. Um, but but I'd been doing it a long time at that point, you know, and this was not my first time in anything. Um, I really liked that venue. The the JC's the JC's building just felt like independent wrestling you know and i don't i don't think independent wrestling belongs in like big high school gymnasiums and big you know i I mean if 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 you're filling those up it's nice and it's great right but there is just something about the shows that happen in a small dingy arena with the crowd pushed in and they're right you know they're right up they're almost right up against the ring you know Darn what air. i mean yeah Fingertip you know way. yep and and you can hear everything and they can hear everything and and you know it's almost intimate you know what i mean and it's just that's some of my best memories are like that and not on some of the bigger shows i've been in where you know there's a bunch of people roaring and i'm sure a lot of people will roll their eyes and say that's just because oh, I've never been in front of 5,000 people. You know what I mean? Like, you know, but that's, that's where, you know, when you've got a, when you've got a room packed with 50 people and they are all living and breathing that moment and that same air. And that's, I mean, that's, I don't know. That's 
pro wrestling to me, you know? You know, I'm, I remember there were times where we had some big matches in the <clears throat> Casey Center throughout those uh, few years we were there. And, and we packed it yeah. a lot. I mean, there was times where, I mean, we had to shove people out of the way to get out of the locker room to come yeah. to the ring. Yeah, man. Uh, you know, that that's that's <laughs> that's excitement. That's passion. That's the love. That's the, the fans. And, and we all know pro wrestling isn't pro wrestling without the fans. Right. Which, as we see on TV today, is really weird to watch. <laughs> um, but yeah, so yeah, that's when I first met Guy Smith and, and got to see uh, some of the other guys that I didn't know at the time. Um but the thing about it is, is the people that are, are going to be listening, they don't know who mm-hmm. Guy Smith is or or where Guy Smith came from. Can you give some of your backstory? Because I've I've talked to a few other guys that that are around at that time, yeah. and their stories are kind of the same. But they kind of lead a little this way and a little that way. So it's interesting to hear each and every person's side road right. of the main story of where you all did come from. So yeah. can you give some of that for the fans? So, okay, well, I mean, do we want to, how far back do you want to go? You want to go all the way back to... Well, I believe it was uh, high school time. Okay. All right. Um, so that's that's where it really starts for me because I, I was not one of these guys who was like childhood, watched it with my dad or watched it with my grandma, like none of that, you know. I, I had a few friends. I knew who Hulk Hogan was. I think did. Yeah, you know what I mean? If you and did, like, I mean, there's a problem. Right, you know, some sometimes I'd catch like, uh, we didn't have cable or anything, so, you know, sometimes I'd catch like Saturday morning superstars. Okay. Um, or, you know, somebody we'd, ha- we'd rent WrestleMania three or six or whatever when I was yeah man yeah yeah. you know when we were having a sleepover or something you know but it was never really my jam um in when I was in high school and the attitude era and the Monday Night Wars exploded and everybody became a wrestling fan that's when I became a wrestling fan okay and uh my my best friend you know I remember my best friend Scotty Cash um, telling me you got to come see this thing, and uh, Hogan's a bad guy now, and there's this guy Stone Cold Steve Austin, and Rodman Dennis Rodman's doing it. It's cra- it's crazy, yeah. you know. And I was like, and I was like, ah, right, whatever, you know. But I started going over there, and at the time, it was as much just to hang out with my best friend as it was to watch wrestling. But we would sit there every Monday night and flip back and forth, Nitro to Raw, Raw to Nitro. It was. I wore the I wore the words <laughs> off my uh, yeah. previous button. Yeah, man, for real. <laughs> I mean, you push it so many times, and you get her like, I know where it's at. I don't even look anymore. <laughs> <laughs> yep, yep. Um, so that was that was really where it picked up for me, um, and then it kind of tapered off when I went away to uh, college. Okay. Um, I, I did. I went to college for one year. Uh, it was a Christian college, Lincoln Christian College, uh, <clears throat> and. Over there, they don't let their students take spring break. Okay. During spring break, you have to do a missions trip. Gotcha. And so um, I was taking this missions trip up to uh, Canada, Montreal, uh, which involved a 14-hour drive in Ooh. a van. I mean, we stopped at, we stopped at uh, Niagara Falls. That was cool. Right. But uh, I went and picked up. A World of Wrestling magazine, okay. which I don't I think is long out of print. I don't know. Probably none of your fans even remember that. Yeah, probably not. <laughs> but I picked it up, um, and I will. I it. 
changed everything for me because like you know wrestling was just a thing i watched on tv and i liked it you know and i read some other wrestling magazines and there was a ton back then and they were all just the hot garbage right but i picked this one up and it had a article about windy city pro wrestling up in chicago in chicago and their school and that was like the very first time i was like hold on there's there's schools for this like 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 I could go and learn how to do this thing and I, I must have read that article 15 times on that trip you know what I mean just kind of just trying to wrap my head around it and I, I wasn't we, we had backyarded you know we didn't have like a we weren't hardcore backyarders but you know every few weeks we'd go hang out and play in the backyard and now oh, you know we had our own personas and stuff sure. but you know and we, we didn't do anything dang we weren't Going through light, you know, light tubes or anything. We weren't jumping off roofs and stuff like that. Every once in a while, we might lay a board across a couple cinder blocks and and fall through the two by four as okay. a as a makeshift table all or right. something. But we weren't we weren't going all out and trying to make a name for ourselves backyarding. What was what was Guy Smith's persona as a backyard <clears throat> guy? Um, so I had two. Okay. Most of us most of us have multiple characters. Um, and, and one one was just uh, uh, me and me and my best friend Scott. It was just Jaron McCaffrey was the name. It was just me and my friend Scotty. Um, but we were we were the committee, okay. and so we were a tag team, and, and we'd always take surveys. And uh, we were the only two on the committee, so we were the only two ever whose okay. votes all votes right, ever counted. Right. Uh, <laughs> uh, and uh, then then there was a character. Um, named Matt Molotov. Matt Molikoff. Molotov. Molotov. Like a Molotov okay. cocktail. Okay, gotcha, gotcha. Um, and and he wore a, he wore a Jason like the hockey mask, right. like a Jason Voorhees mask, and carried a baseball bat, and he was an anarchist. He was a little wilder. He was a little wilder than standard backyard wrestling mm. bad guy. Oh my gosh, type pretty man, gimmick. pretty much, pretty much. <laughs> I had I had a terrible. I had like a, a denim vest, and I had put like the anarchy symbol and duct tape on the back of it, and I wore and he wore jeans, these jorts, these '90s, super '90s, like almost man pre's, but we didn't have capris at the time. They were just what shorts looked like. Yeah. Dude, a lot was, of you guys won't know was, what shorts are. Bad. You might want to Google that. It's bad. Um, so that that's kind of funny. So what if what what if there was a Brawloween where that character came back just for the hell of it one time? Would, uh, would anybody remember uh, it? No, nah, I don't think it. Well, like except uh, for the you know Spencer, guys. Spencer and Scotty Cash, I think are the only ones who would have been around for that. Okay, so okay. so you find out about Money City, yeah, uh, yeah, through an article, right? Okay, yeah. So um. I had come back from the missions trip from that spring break, and turns out there was a place open in Springfield, and you know, I was Scotty Cash, and I like, like I think I called Scott to be, like, hey, did you have any idea there's a wrestling school in Chicago? Right. You know, and like I called him, and he was like, you're never gonna guess what I'm doing. I'm wrestling. <laughs> you know, I'm like, what? And so I started going down to, I went home. You know, it was just in Springfield. Um, I came home to check them out, and they were in a, man, a, a dirty, abandoned, not abandoned, but uh, unused, you know, it used to be a movie theater. Okay. And so, so they had set the ring at the bottom of the theater, you know, and like there's a long slope right down to it. 
Um, and it started, I just went and watched uh, Scotty wrestle a few times. And they, they were doing, like, practice shows. You know, they sure. do them, you know, on Fridays. And a few friends would show up. And some of the guys would show up. And they'd have their... It was basically a backyard. <laughs> it was basically backyarding with a ring in a building. And... Um, it just, uh, as soon as I was done, I, I already knew I was leaving college. Um, I was not, I was, I was not happy at Lincoln Christian and it was not what I wanted to do. So I already knew I was leaving okay. that. Um, but I mean, pretty much I left that, you know, I left, I left on a Friday and Saturday I was training with, at, at the time it was Midwest Wrestling Alliance. So the MWA okay. and it, it was all from there. And that's, that's where I really... Um, you know, I, I learned what we needed to learn there. Um, we bounced through a couple buildings. It was kind of growing. Um, but that's really where I became passionate and started to become a wrestling historian. Like, I just, I just fell in love with doing it so much. And I studied and I watched every, every tape I could find and, uh, you know, burned you know, or went, went and <laughs> I would go to the video store, family video, rent every wrestling video they had. I would dub it, sure, <laughs> you sure. know, when I and then take it back. Um, and that's that's really where my my passion, my love for the business grew was through doing it, not so much like watching it or being okay. a fan as a kid or anything like that. All right. So, did you <clears throat> did you actually go anywhere near? Windy City, or did you just know Not, about it and know maybe some of the guys or something? Maybe um, honestly, I just knew about it. I never ended up going up that way. Um, once once we had something here in town where where I was learning it, I didn't need to. I, I'd done enough research to know that it was three grand to to start the training up there. And man, um, my family was broke, uh, and I was nineteen. Three grand would might as well have been three million at the right. time. You know what I mean? I like, that, so yeah. so once I got in at uh, MWA and we were paying like twenty five bucks a month rent, you know, to to train like gym dues. Sure. Um, I just I just stuck it out there. I never I didn't I didn't know anybody from Windy City until I met Sage Ramsey. Okay. So how long was it at the movie theater as you mm-hmm. called it? That you guys were there before you moved on to the next, I guess you would say the next <clears throat> chapter or the next step? Yeah. Um, so they were, I, I think I was at the movie theater for about three months. I think they had been there maybe almost six. Um, so I, I, start, I started around, I started in May, you know, when college let out, I came back, started in May. Um, they had been, they had been there for a year. They, they had started in like November and then, so by the time, I think it was around November, like around when their lease was coming up, we moved over into an old warehouse on uh, Stockyard Road. Okay. Um, and we moved into that, and that was kind of our first little expansion. Um, the shows were starting to bring in people who weren't just friends and family, you know. We were running these kind of weekly shows as practice shows. We weren't, we weren't charging. We had some... Uh, Snacks you could buy. We had a jar for donation if you wanted to sure. support, um, but we weren't charging. Just come in and we put on the best show we could. Um, excuse me. <clears throat> and we were there. We were only there a few months um, before 
some publicity went wrong <laughs> for oh, us. Shit. You know, um, we we we'd had uh, somebody come in, a reporter come in that wanted to do kind of a little story on us. Um, in the in the story, they said some things that weren't true, um, and not, nothing nothing dramatic. You know, they they said we were like uh, they were trying to make it sound more dramatic than it was. They said things like, oh, we burn trash in barrels just to stay warm. That was never true. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, but that that worried the, you know, the uh, landlord. Okay. And so then the landlord kind of came in and kind of was not sure about keeping us in there and eventually sent us out, you know. Um, we had... A, t- a long time where we couldn't find a building. Finally, we just stuck it in another warehouse and we're not going to do shows um, just to have a place to train. But that is what led us to uh, starting to do our first paid shows where we really trained and made sure we had some professional gear. And we're like, you know, if we're going to, like, we knew if we're going to put on a paid show and charge ticket prices, it's going to have to be something. Um, right. And we ended up doing our first few paid shows at a place called Soccer World. Okay. Now, uh, I've I've heard about the the stockyard. I've heard about the warehouse, you know, uh, right. and then there was, and soccer world and, and all that stuff. How long did it take before it was something that really started to catch on here in Springfield? When you started looking <clears throat> in and you're going, "Holy shit!" Okay, so the very first show we did at Soccer World drew 600 people. Wow. Yeah. Um, blew our minds. <laughs> uh, I can imagine. Blew, blew our minds. So that instantly is Holy shit. Yes. Yes. That, that very first show, that very first night. Um, I, I would say from that point, it, it, it obviously came down after that. Um, and we ran shows at Soccer World for four or five months. And then we moved to a place called the USA Sports Center. And we were able to move our school in there. Um, they had kind of an area in the back where, like, the ring fit for our school. And then they also had a big gymnasium okay. where we could hold the shows at. Um, so that was a great... And that was really kind of the golden year <laughs> of, of uh, New Midwest. Um, we packed them in there. Uh, one of the great things was the fans could bring their own beer. Ah. Um, so we have fans coming in. You know, got, people would come in with coolers and they'd drink and they'd... You know, it was it was a you know they'd have a blast and everybody have fun and you know kind of spread the word of mouth like you know hey we're gonna grab a be- some beers and go out and watch these guys these kids really do that do their <laughs> do. Um, but you know it was it was at the USA Sports Center it was nothing but growth and nothing but good times and you know we we'd had the crowds were up and down but it was regular to be like how many people are out there wow wow okay. I remember, I remember the first time looking through the, the curtain for PWA and seeing you know our biggest crowds, mm-hmm. um, and was was amazed. Right. Um, I know one of the biggest crowds that we did was uh, unification title match. Yeah. I remember that one, and there was a there was a there was a few others, of yeah. course. You know, spectacle always drew, but this was just a regular regular time where we actually saw fans and we're just like, man, this is this is this is going. Um, now I know the New Midwest. Uh, th- there's a lot of stories that, that are out there. Um, to hear it from the workers, <laughs> to hear it from the original person that ran it or owned it, to yeah. the person that took over, to the person that ran it. There's so many stories out there. When when I heard and first started picking up on New Midwest, by that time you guys had 
moved from the one and we're rolling through Lanfear. Okay. That's when I started to pick up on a lot of New Midwest. Now, I know there's, like I said, stories. There's right. a lot of stories out there. I read what was on the website. I've, I've listened to Sage tell me his side. I've heard yeah, the, yeah. You know, the <laughs> workers tell their side. Yeah. I've heard J-Mac's side and, 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 and everything. From a person that was was there, that did a lot, not just, and I know that you had a lot in, in certain parts of it, mm-hmm. kind of like you do now. Yeah. More more now in PWA than you did then, but what was the actual, what, what, what really happened with the whole new Midwest deal? I mean, you guys ran so long and you guys were popular, you were packing three, four, five hundred, and then all of a sudden they're just, you're not putting a show on tonight, see you, bye. Right. So... <clears throat> The best, the best thing I can say that happened with New Midwest is that we were all kids and we had no idea. We were just reacting to stuff. You know, we, we had very little. We, we didn't know how to make a business, how to, you know, like, like the business side of things, like the company itself. We, we did the wrestling and that was awesome. And everything else was just... As the world's throwing darts at us, we're ducking them or taking them, you know? Okay. Um, So there was never, because uh, there was never a thought of what happens if, you know? So um, we had a lot of trouble finding buildings, you know? We'd get in a building and just as things were starting to get good, something would happen, uh, you know, the newspaper thing or um, we had some neighbor landowners who had problems with us at the USA Sports Center um, who had problems with that building. You know what I mean? Like, like that wasn't even our problem. The problem was they, they had never wanted that building there in the first place. Okay. And so it just happened to come to a head right when we were starting to dig our heels in. And it was like, ah, you know, yep. um, you know, and then and then so there was never any like, well, what happens if this building goes away? What do we have to fall back on? What will be our plan? It was just like, well, we can't use this building anymore. Shit, what are we going to do now? Um, you know, none of us had any money, you know. We, and, and at the same time, we were all trying to find our own footing, you know. So we're trying to have this business and find our own footing and bouncing jobs. And none of us had any money or anything in savings or really anything to fall back on when we did have, you know, well, shit, now we got to go find a another building and put, you know, however much down or however right. much, <laughs> you know what Luke I mean? Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, exactly. Um, and you know, ring we'd we'd soak we'd soak money into ring maintenance or you know, let's buy these chairs. We didn't have any kind of sustainable plan, and so that that is what would happen to every owner. And then couple that with the fact that every owner who kind of took over was like looking from the outside going, I know exactly how to fix this. And then when they step into that spot, you don't know exactly how to fix this. And you only saw a third of the problem. And now, okay, you're the owner and you've got this idea, but you also have to figure out how to do this, 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 and this. And we're fucking, we were in our twenties. We didn't know shit. (laughs) You know what I mean? We had no clue how to deal with any of that. And so, you know, that's where we kind of ran into, you'd end up with the revolving door and oh, this guy's an owner now. Oh, he's out. This guy's an owner now. Oh, he's out. And, you know, guys would come in and uh, become an owner for 
a month because they had some money to throw on a problem, but then they vanish and, you know, after, after having set up something, you know, half the time it was like they'd set up, they'd come in, drop some money on something that would help, but then it was almost like they, that thing set up another expense that then when they left, we couldn't cover, you know, okay. so there was just all these kinds of things that would hit us and we never had the plan to we were never proactive it was always like oh shit here's this thing oh shit here's this thing and like reacting to everything and we were always behind the eight ball and we were always a scratch (laughs) so okay so you got you started your training when you came back from college and everything Mm -hmm. here in town but you got your boots dug in for yourself yourself as guy smith when you went and attended hall of famer Harley Race's school. Right. And, you know, rest in peace, he, he has passed. But you went down and attended Harley Race's academy. Yep. And got your boots dug in. Can you can you give everything there, you know, about so, Harley's experience? Um, okay. Well, well, first let me explain why I went to Harley's. Um, because I had always... I, I knew we were self-trained, right? And uh, my, my, my goal... You know my vision in wrestling, and I and I'd always kind of, I've always kind of talked about how everybody gets in with like a different idea of what a career is supposed to, a different idea. You know, guys who come in idolizing Mick Foley, you know, want to put their body through that test and and you know beat themselves half to death, and uh, you know guys who come in idolizing Hogan or the Ultimate Warrior that never want to lose and always think they should be adored and always want to be a bad guy and don't like getting booed type of thing. You know what I mean? Um, some guys, I always, I always like to point out, some guys want to come in to retire. And you see those guys that kind of go through that thing where they uh, wrestle for a year and then they retire and then they're retired for three to six months and then they have a big comeback and they wrestle for another six months and have another retirement and they just play that cycle out over and over and over again. I mean, we could name a couple of people <laughs> off the top of our heads have done that in the past five years. Mm. I'm not here to call anybody out. <laughs> And, and I, I'm not even saying I'm not even saying that's not a legitimate I mean let's be honest you know at this level basically what we're doing is uh, role playing larping you Man, know anyway you know you look at it that way yeah. I mean you know so if, if that's the cycle they want to play out you know I'm not judging that I'm just saying you know people have these cycles my goal was always um, I mean I, I had the vision of working for WWE and that was kind of my singular vision. But really, what I always wanted to do was be a professional. I wanted all of this, uh, whether I made you know a million dollars or never made a cent, I wanted to be a professional in this business. Sure. And I had always kind of recognized that we were self-trained. Um, <clears throat> a few guys, Justin, Justin and Rob, had gone up. Uh, they're the ones who started... MWA in New Midwest, and they had gone up to Chicago and trained with the LWF a couple times, you know, for a couple days. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, and then basically we had all just kind of we we had the basic ideas and we had just kind of figured it out and built up from there. We had had a few guys come in, Pat Tanaka and some other more experienced guys had been in um, to show us and steer us a little bit. But I just I could never get it out of my head that like. What if we're doing this wrong? Right. You know, we're self-trained. We just, basically, we just made this up, <laughs> you know? <laughs> like, what if we're doing it wrong? And so I'd started looking. Um, 
uh, was looking uh, at, at the time. I, I really wanted to go to OVW. Okay. I'd been down for a couple tryouts and had taken so much away. I'd, I'd gone down a couple times and did like their week long tryouts that were at the time tryouts for the WWE. But even having just done that, I took so much away from those experiences that I was like, man, you know, I feel like maybe my next step is to go there and learn that for real. But again, I was broke. I was struggling, still hadn't found a footing or, you know, I, I could support myself, but to come up with, because at the time they, their program was like, you know, 2,600 for the beginner class and then another three grand for the intermediate class. And then if you got signed and could move up to the advanced class, it was like another 3,500, whatever. Um, and, you know, man, that was tough and I had debt. <laughs> and, um, and then my friend Billy Morgan said, hey, we should go down and check out Harley School. I was like, all right, let's go check out Harley School. And I went down to check out Harley School and uh, tried out with Harley. And Harley, because we were experienced, Harley said we could come in and join for a grand flat. Um, and didn't necessarily have to pay that up front. Okay. Um, so that's that, that seemed attainable, and that's what we did. And I went down there, and I was we, we were there for six months. Um, and... Yeah, man, cut our, you know, dug my boots in and, and got my, got the confidence that what I was doing, you know, more than any technique, anything I learned specifically there, um, I learned a lot and I say I didn't learn anything, you know, but more than anything that I learned while I was down there, just the confidence that when I walked away from that experience and from that school, I could go with anybody and couldn't anybody tell me, you don't know what you're doing, you're doing this wrong, who, who taught you, just I knew I could step in the ring with anybody and hold my own and carry my weight. Now, you, you did six months with Harley's. Was that, did you guys have to stay down there and live for a while and, and just straight through six months? Yeah, man. We, we moved down there. Uh, we, we stayed in a hotel for a week. We stayed on Ted DiBiase Jr.'s couch for a week. And then we found the, the worst fucking trailer. $300 a week, $300 a month this trailer cost uh, for us to rent. And it was about like falling down like it was half cracked falling down in the middle it had ants i mean we we put out traps and poison and and the ants would just come and drink this this poison all day you'd see them drinking the poison all day long and you'd refill it and they'd come back and drink and like it didn't make a dent you know we were there six months it didn't make a like there was never less ants and it was just it was crazy man it was it was trashed we were did our best. I mean, it was, it was a place to stay. Um, uh, but yeah, I mean, and then we were at Harley's three nights a week, three hours a night. So you come, you, you come back home from Harley's, you, you have what you wanted mm -hmm. and yep. you got exactly what you wanted. Right. Now, did you come right back in, walk in the door on one, on, on, on those guys mm -hmm. and go, hold up, stop. Y'all fuckers are doing this shit wrong. Um, no, so, uh, uh, so a couple things that happened, um, one thing worth bringing up is that my reputation in central Illinois was absolute shit, and I was, everybody, everybody except my closest friends, uh, hated me, 
whether they respected me or not or respected what I did in the ring is a different question. That kind of varied. Um, but pretty much everybody hated me. And there, that had begun because early on when I started to pull ahead and when I started to get opportunities um, and people were, were jealous or whatever and they would call me Eric. And I, 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 I've always... From when I was young, I've always had a little bit of a chip on my shoulder. I don't. I never thought I was really arrogant, but but right. But you 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 worked your ass off. You earned that spot or that opportunity or whatever. And they they don't have any right to be jealous because if, if they're not putting in the work and trying to do what you did, then why why should they be bitching about it? Well, I, I, I that's definitely a thing. You know, that's definitely true. But uh, you know, jealousy and envy and and backbiting is not necessarily a rational reaction, right? You just feel this way, you say shit. Some people feel this way, they say shit. And I was absolutely the type, the first time somebody called me arrogant, the first time said I didn't deserve what I got. Uh, you think I'm arrogant? You, you think this is arrogant? You have no idea how fucking arrogant I can be. You, you know, you want to call me a dickhead? Uh, I'll redefine dickhead for you. And so I'd spent several years doing that. And so, like, you know, to say people didn't like me, like, I own that. That was my fault. And that was well deserved. Whether, whether the impetus was deserved or not, the continuation was well deserved. And I, I, I put myself out there that way. And I was an asshole to everybody who was not one of my good close friends. So what was it that changed? So, well, <clears throat> that was the thing. When, when I came back, and, and I never, you know, I, I lived in, uh, even when we lived in Missouri, we came back once a month to wrestle for New Midwest. Okay. Um, so I was never completely gone from the area. Um, but when I did come back, I did, uh, you know, know that I wanted to change. Uh, if I was going to come back, when I, when I decided to leave Harley's, I, I wanted to come back and I wanted to bring something to the area. You know what I mean? I didn't just want to come back and be all guy Smith's back and now now he's been to Harley's and he'll tell everybody, <laughs> you know what I mean? He'll, he'll, he'll tell everybody that. I wanted to come back. I wanted to bring something to the area. Um, I wanted to, you know, change. I wanted to change my legacy, not because I thought I deserved a legacy, but just because I wanted to be of value to the industry. Okay. Um, and uh, I, when, when I came back, um, it didn't start off, re uh, Newman West didn't have a school at the time. They were just running shows. Um, there was really no schools in the area. Um, so I kind of came back and started to get my feet wet around, working some new places. I worked Newman West. I started going up to Peoria for a little bit. Um, I was doing some work out, out uh, east towards the Danville area. Um, and uh, then we had the opportunity to... Uh, open a school in um, Decatur um, and it really wasn't a school it was nothing official um, what happened was we knew somebody who had a ring and the building had there, there was a big uh, gym uh, I can't remember what the Skywalker Center Skywalker, yeah. the Skywalker Center in, in Decatur um, had a boxing program that needed a ring Okay. and so kind of the idea was like hey we'll bring you this wrestling ring we'll brace the bottom of it so it doesn't bounce, bounce. for your for your boxers and um but then we get to you got to let us come in and train and they sounds were, like a fair deal yeah and it was it was a fair deal um 
And so we went in there, and uh, we we did that for two two years, two three years. It's tough to remember, um, but we were there for a while, and uh, you know, a few students came out of that that program. Um, it wasn't anything really like a school. It was I was almost felt like more like a personal trainer, <laughs> you know, like I like seen I'd the, hook up with these guys and I've seen the video. Um, it's out there somewhere. I I think I still have it somewhere too, uh, where it's a Skywalker. Mm-hmm. It's you. Um, Micah Pope, yeah, and I believe Derek Moss was in in this video as that well. So. I, I can't remember who else. I think I know what video you're I think talking it was, about. I think it was just that three. Um, and I watched, and I was able to see, um, to see it there, to see what we now have now, and and what we went through with 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 the academy. Um, totally, totally different from everything all around. It's it, and you could see it progress all the way through. Um, but I remember seeing a, a video out there, and yeah. I, I don't even remember where I saw it, but I, I seen it, and it, it was it was you three um, at that time. And did did anybody else? I, I guess how many how many of the guys here in Central Illinois came through that time frame of Skywalker uh, underneath Guy Smith <clears throat> from from the Skywalker? I think we had Derek Moss, Micah Pope. Chris, uh, Nelson Six. Nelson Six. Okay. Yeah, sorry, Nelson Six. Um, Jordan Perry. Okay. Um, Tony G. Trained there. Few guys. Few guys in and out. I mean, those were really the only ones that started in the America or that started in the Skywalker Center and still, you know. Became a thing, okay. you know. We we had plenty of guys who started before that who came and worked out with us sometimes, um, but those those were the guys who started there that went on and continued. Right, and we all know where Jordan Perry went. You know, uh, we we both worked for the company he had. Mm-hmm. Um, we know where Derek Moss went, and we know where Michael Pope's been, Nelson Six, mm-hmm. and and you know, Tony G, and, and probably some of the others. Mm-hmm. Um, so Skywalker. Um, there, there's a story behind all that apparently too of where the ring came or who stole the ring or what happened to the ring or why you're not a Skywalker no more right. and, and I know Rip Mystics told me once and someone else told me something um, but there's a story behind why you're not at Skywalker anymore so basically what happened it, it, it was a real you know it was kind of a misunderstanding and one that just never had a chance to get worked out um because I uh, se- several nights there were several nights where we showed up and couldn't get in or there was something else going on, you know. And the first the first couple times didn't make a big deal about it. Um, after that, because we were never given keys to the building or anything like that, so there had to be somebody there had to be somebody there to let us in. And then there had to be somebody to, you know, um, would then come by, close up after we left. Uh, we could lock it on the way out, but um, to get in, there had to be somebody there. Um, and so, you know, after like the first couple times it happened, I didn't say anything. After the second couple times, I was kind of like, hey, this is kind of, wish we could at least get a call because right. most of us were driving an hour, driving over from Springfield for this, you know. Um and they were kind of like, oh, yeah, our bad, whatever. And then finally a time came where I called the guy and I was like, look, man, this has got to change. This is unacceptable. We're letting you use our ring, you know. And he kind of fired back like, your ring? That's my ring. 
And I was like, hold on. And he was like, he was like, I don't even know, blah, blah, blah. That was donated to this building and blah, blah, all this other stuff. And I was like, well, that's not how that went down at all. Um, and, and I made a few other calls, you know, to, to the other people who were kind of involved in the middlemen in that deal. Um, and uh, at the time we were pulling that, that ring out, we would pull it out to use for the PWA shows. And, uh, so we, we, we reached a point, you know, like we had, we, I had kind of a big blow up with the main guy at the Skywalker center. And, um, then that kind of got worked out and he apologized and I apologized and it was cool. But the next time we pulled the ring out of that building, I, it didn't go back. And, uh, <clears throat> I wasn't sure exactly how to handle it, but at the, at the, at the, PWA show that night, I was like, hey, this, this, we need to find a place for this to go because I'm not comfortable with how things are going over there now. And I'm worried one of these times we're going to open up that, we're going to go to get that ring and not be able to get it. Right. And so they were okay. And it went to somebody's garage. And uh, I told, I told the guy, um, because at the time I just wanted to, to I, I wanted time to figure out how to make sure that didn't become an issue. And I told the guy who ran Skywalker, I was like, Hey, uh, we kind of busted that ring tonight. So we're going to see about getting it fixed. Um, but it's not, it's not coming back right now. I'll let you know when, when we're bringing it back. Um, and then it just never kind of, you know, he, he called me once or twice and, um, I, I kind of blew it off, <laughs> you know, and it just never went back out there. So, um, where's, where's that ring at now? I mean, what that, that's the ring. Um, that ring got sold to Glory. So that was the Glory? That was the Glory ring, okay, and so I don't know who has it now. Okay, so that was the one that we plywooded over there in uh, Moreau all the time, right? Where his basic was plywood uh, that we used in that, in that building. Um, actually, I think that, I, I, I don't remember. It wasn't the Glory ring every time. It was it was um, it was the glory ring a couple times, and then Glory bought it eventually. But I think they had used another ring. I don't. I really don't remember. I thought they used Blake's ring once or twice. I think they used Blake rings. Blake's ring sometimes. I, I think they used. He had, I know they had bought the, that ring at one point. I really don't remember. That was a while back, huh. and I was only kind of like like I wasn't even. I wouldn't even say I was a middleman on any of that. I was just kind of like, hey, he's got this ring. You could probably buy it, type of thing, you know. So, since you mentioned Glory, let's 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 jump into that okay. teacup real fast. So, uh, Glory runs out of Maroa. Yep. Uh, it was a great place. I yep. enjoyed it. It was a great time. The, the whole the whole back uh, locker room was a big old stage. Yeah. A lot of great guys, um, and, and a lot of really good shows. Um, always brought in a guest. Almost every fucking show. Yep. Um, which which was fun. I was a referee at that time, so I, I got a I got a ref a lot of matches uh, in that company for with, with a lot of the guys um, to this day that are either up higher than where we sit today in mm-hmm. some companies um, or still running independent like us. Uh, but it was it was always fun. So um, Jordan Perry gets a wrestling company, starts running shows. We all go up there. We do our deal. We go home. What was the biggest downfall for that company? What was it because of every month's guest? Um, well, I I really don't know because I was not 
that involved on that side. I've, I've always, every company I've always been with, um, even when I start to get dug in and, you know, if I'm helping with the booking, helping with the guys, helping however I'm helping, I do everything I can to avoid the money. And money plays a factor in every company's downfall one way you know one way or another another. and usually is is one of the bigger factors whether it's they don't want to spend the money anymore or they're tired of losing the money whatever the case is right um the two things the the things i would say um i i'm not a believer in bringing in names Um, which we've mentioned and talked about multiple times yep um I, i i think that names uh you know very few names draw what you pay for um, the only times I've really, I feel like I've seen it successful is when you do have a name every single show and sort of, it's, it's even, it becomes even less about the name and more just about, well, we're going to go see this wrestling show. They always have somebody there and the wrestling is good and, you know, we'll go have a night out type of thing. Right. Um, more so than for them to ever be like, oh, uh, Tommy Dreamer is going to be there tonight. Oh, Rhino's going to be there tonight. Got to go see Rhino. You know what I mean? Like, so like if you can build that kind of reputation, always have somebody there. I think there's value in that to just bring in a name who's going to charge you, you know, who's going to triple your, uh, costs for the night, triple your talent costs for the night and hope that they draw in even just to cover themselves. Most companies end up behind the eight ball on that. Um, so I, I think, you know, I think Glory had kind of some hit and miss with their, their names. Um, I think the location for Glory hurt it, you know, it didn't, didn't help that it was because it was kind of, it was 20 minutes, half an hour or so away from Decatur. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, and they drew, they drew good crowds. Sometimes, you know, they, they, they had some good crowds. It was a good, it was a good company to run. Um, I think had they been in a better location, they might it might have been even better. You know what I mean? Right. But that's part of the thing with independent wrestling is you go where the building is. Right. <laughs> you know, right. like, like once, if you, if you find a building you can use that's that's cheap and affordable, you're going to go to that building. Right. So. And, and being 2020s, it's really it's really hard nowadays for a lot of the independent companies today because well the buildings that are been sitting for a while or right. pretty much already ran down, destroyed, and, and not worth it. And now they're not even up to code to where you're even allowed to get in. Yeah. And the other ones that are just on that, they're still just too much. Right. So you always you either find the 30 people to help you get it yep. or you just do it's, whatever. Yeah. Um, I enjoyed my time up there in Gloria. Right. I thought I thought it was fun. Yeah. Um, like I said, you know, I, I met a lot of good a lot of good guys and and some of the girls have come through as well. Um. But uh, let's let's because you mentioned it. I want to jump that teacup real quick. You used to take a lot of road trips, and it wasn't just you. You had a you had a group that yeah. would go in and out every now and then. And, and I actually reached out to somebody today to get the name. I knew the initials. I just didn't know what it stood for. Right. Um, and it was called N E W. Yep. In Arkansas. Yep. And if I remember right, wasn't that had to do with like Wimpleman, like? Some Cornette and some uh, Harvey Wimpleman and stuff like that back there. Well, well, don't call him Harvey Wimpleman. Is that is downtown Bruno? Okay, downtown Bruno. Sorry. Downtown Bruno. Downtown he, Bruno. He sorry. Did, he did not like to be Harvey Wimpleman anywhere <laughs> yeah. except where he was getting paid to be Harvey. Harvey Wimpleman. Yep. 
Um, yeah, so he, he was involved there. Um, that was actually uh, Nightmare Ken Wayne's promotion. Okay. Um, and they they ran, uh, but but Bruno was there. Um, he did announcing and kind of did like agenting type stuff. Um, I, that was a blast, man. They 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 did shows. They did a weekly show, um, and they ran it just like it was a little raw. Okay. It was you know it was an hour long. I've seen I've seen some of the yeah. YouTube videos. Yeah. Yep, yep. Um, those those shows were you know the the there was never the, there was not people. It was not meant. To like draw a big crowd, you know, there was there was usually probably I think, I think a big crowd there was like twenty, you know, there's like one one row of chairs all the way around the ring, um, and it, it was it was meant to advertise for their big shows. Okay, you know, they put these they put on these little shows that they ran like, and it was such a cool deal. You like you know because you you would they would shoot your they. It was my first real experience shooting. A wrestling television show because we would shoot the promo live sure. and then go out for our match. They would work in the uh, TV, the commercial breaks. Um, they would have the ref calling the timestamp to you, so you had to you know and and you couldn't go over or under. You know what I mean? Most most indie shows, if I go thirty seconds over, two minutes over, it's not a big deal. Um, if I go two minutes under, not a big deal because there's not a time. But in this one, my match was running up to a commercial break so i had to hit that really close and uh i you know so that was a good experience for me that that was really cool it was really cool to get kind of feedback um from 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 that point of view you know uh harvey whippleman gave me uh, harvey (laughs) bruno oops oops sorry bruno uh bruno was giving me some feedback and uh you know, Ken Wayne was giving me the feedback. Um, one of one of the problems with Central Illinois is that we do not have any old timers. We don't have any any legends. Not that you need to be a legend. We just don't have any experience yeah, there's, here. There's no, you know, there's nobody I'm, here. Yeah, you know, I'm I'm one of the most experienced guys here. You know what I mean? I mean, we and, we we'd have to go to Missouri mm-hmm. for two, right? Indy. Ohio, I think there's one that way. There's there's maybe three or four in mm-hmm. a, a three hour drive. That's it. Right. But yeah, there's literally nothing like that here. Yeah. Um. And and I I will say I th- I think that's a benefit and yeah it's it's both it's a benefit and a hindrance. Um. But this is one of the thing times where it was nice to kind of run into some guys who did have a lot more experience than me and who could say hey um you're good but and hey uh. You know, if you do this, you know, I like this. Or, you know, for, for TV, what you, when you do that in indie show, it's fine. For TV, you need to do it this way type of thing. Right. Tweak, uh, tweak left or tweak right. Right, you know, and, and, and it was nice to be in that, that environment, you know. It's, it's nice to be around here and to sit with somebody who's an equal and, you know, oh, I think you'd be better if it did this. I think, I, you know, and, and bullshit back and forth like that. But it's also, you know, sometimes you need somebody who's been – Seen more than you. Sometimes you need somebody who knows more than you. Right. You know what I mean? Like to say, hey, uh, you know, how about this? So I, I enjoyed that about that experience. So you, you, you drive down to do all this, and I know that it was you. I know, um, I know Derek Moss has done. It. I know Michael Pope's done it. Um, who else was, I guess, involved in the either the the card load or card loads? And, so, um, so the main the main guys on the on those trips. Um, 
was that there was me and Micah and Derek. Um, and I, I remember pulling Micah and Derek in and I said, hey, you know, if you this would be a good experience for you guys. Let's go. And they were there every week with us. Um, the guy who was kind of organizing that was TJ, um, who ran New Breed. New Breed. And uh, he, he, was, he was actually the one with the connections down there. Um, his, his guy, DeVossi, was on every trip. I can't remember DeVossi's real name. Blake Steele went on most of the trips. Bellicus went on most of the trips. Trying to remember. And then there was there was a kind of a revolving door of everyone else that kind of went with us. I don't remember anybody else who was there for every trip. But we we had a trip with Christian Rose. Christian Rose went with us, Matt. Money, Matt. What was his, what was oh, his he, name? He, uh, Matt Cross. No, it wasn't Cross. It was. Uh, I know who you're talking about. Yeah, <laughs> I can't remember his name. He hasn't been in wrestling he for was, so long now. I yeah, he was. He, but he was. He was buddies with Christian Rose. But yeah, Maddie. Uh, Maddie. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah uh, gosh, Cecil went with us a couple times. Matt Cage. Yeah. Matt Cage went with okay. us. Yeah. Um, Cecil went with us a couple times. Uh, <laughs> <Cecil>. DeCobra. <laughs> I remember Cecil. Yeah, DeCobra went with us once or twice. Um, just kind of a revolving, you know, a bunch of people went. Because we, we went we went every week for 12 weeks in a row um, to, to make these trips. And, uh, yeah, they were. So, so we took a bunch of people with us. But so they were good trips. So, so we'd also go. So, so you brought up NEW, but we would also go on those trips because we we drive down, and it was an it was a long eight hour drive, and we drive down on Friday night, and we do the NEW recording on Friday night, and then the next day we would drive over to Tuckerman, Arkansas, and, and NEW was in Memphis, um, right right where Memphis is on the line, right. Um, so then we drive over to Tuckerman, Arkansas for. ASW, I think it was ASW, um, and that was actually like like that was that was a little a little town that was a, a little podunk like podunk town where they had the uh, Valiant Arena, which was this great great building um, with with a, with a good group of guys, and uh, <clears throat> man, it, it was. Um, Good crowd, and it was kind of one of the things like they had been there long enough in this building where they could be in their building and they could do whatever they want. They weren't getting hassled. the The building was set up. I always thought of it like the like they always uh, talk about the Sportatorium in okay. Dallas because it, it it had kind of like raised seating and it was almost like the building had been built for wrestling, right? And it was just in like an arena around the, but it was small, you know. But it was like an arena around the ring. Um, and they had a good group of guys there. It, it was a little, it was a little rough um, because they did. We came in to do like a invasion storyline, like the Illinois, the yeah. guys, the guys from Illinois are coming in to you know try. And then we did kind of a NWO thing, and um, those guys did not like the first several weeks 
where we were we had to get over you know and and i and i fully understand that we were guys uh, had never met us before didn't yeah. know who we were and all of a sudden they want us to come in and start kind of running roughshod over their company that they're they're there every week and, and building up and you could tell they didn't like they didn't like us they didn't trust us um but as as it kind of built and they started to trust us and um when we were able to put over you know when we were able to have some guys kind of like okay return the favor and they could see that we would return the favor then they kind of got on board and and the second the second half of that run was a blast yeah you know once once we had once the guys were with us and we had their trust um it was it was a good time no there's a there's 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 something that that I was told by Derek Moss, and I want to ask because one, I think it's kind of funny, and and two, I just always want to know if it was true or not. So y'all were down on this trip, and I think it was Derek and Micah were getting over really big on on, on some deal, or they mm-hmm. were the tag champs at the time, mm-hmm. or something. Yeah, yeah. And apparently, from from how he explained it, was um, they were running over, or they were taking too much time on something. Oh, and I can see the look on your face. So, All right. So okay, this could be a good one. All right. <laughs> So the story ran that, uh, like I said, they were they were tag champs or something at the time. Yeah. Uh, they were either going over their time or over the spot or something had happened, and all of a sudden the locker room bum rushed, and 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 kind of just <clears throat> the whole thing. And the, he told me it was because they were getting over so big and somebody got mad about it, so they sent you and some of the guys out just to go out there and just squash the shit out of it. Okay, so. So, so that's that's a broad strokes, but here's here's the real deal. Um, so Micah and Derek were very green, but they were we had kind of made them our tag team, and they were like our very first night there. They beat their tag champs, and we we as as part of our arrival was like sure. oh we we kind of cheated, we helped them get over, um, and they beat the tag champs. And <clears throat> so they they had the tag champs, and that of course got them some heat. Of course. Of course. Um, and they worked some guys, and, and they were good. And when you're good, when you're a good wrestler, there's kind of like, like when you're good at first, you get some heat. And then when some guys start to work with you, that heat kind of tapers off, right? So like when, when guys are just looking at you and you show up and you're good, they're like, oh, he's, you know, that, that kind of reflex of like, he's he might be a little better than me, like right. kicks in and they're kind of like, ah. But then once they get to work with you and see that you'll work with them and that they're better when they work with you, that heat tapers off. Um, Micah and Derek were wrestling two other younger guys who were getting over. Okay, the, Micah, Micah and Derek were over um, because we had gotten the angle over. Okay. And so they were getting some good heat. And then they were working these other two guys who were younger. They were having a, this match. For the tag championships, and these other two guys were kind of younger, and they were getting over, and so they were way over on time. And when I say way over, they they had, you know, they, they probably had like a ten minutes, and they were at fifteen oh. and and climbing and not looking close to finishing up, and everybody's standing around the monitor in the back and. Uh, you start to hear the kind of the old time, and and the match was over. You know, I, I didn't care. I didn't think much of it because the match was getting over. 
Okay, so the, the crowd was reacting to the match, and they were doing these spots, and it was four young guys, and they were all going out there and trying to do their thing. And, and the crowd was responding, and, and it was getting over. And it was a tag title match, so I didn't have a problem with it running long, personally. Not my company, whatever, right? right? Um, but we're standing in the back, and you start to hear, I started to hear the old guys. I started to hear the vets grumbling. <laughs> These kids, what are these kids doing? They're doing everything. Look at this spot. Oh, you know, they're doing, they, they, why do they do that? How do you kick out of that? That should have been the finish. And you just hear the old timers starting to grumble and groan. And, uh, you know, one of them's going, where are they at? Are they over in their time? When are they going home? Where are they? Are they over? And somebody's like, oh, they're way over. You know, they're set five minutes over, seven minutes over, you know, and you start to hear the old timers going, uh, you know, well, these uh, these these kids uh, some, need, need to send somebody out there. Just send them out there. Cut this off. You know, I, I'll, I'll go out there. And, and so I saw the writing on the wall. And I knew that if some of these old timers went out there, they were going to go out there and they were going to put a thumping. Put a thumping. And, and maybe take some liberties and, yep. and take the opportunity to kind of put these young kids in their place. Um, so I spoke up very quickly and I was like, hey, me and... Uh, one of the other, I think it was Devasi and uh, one of the other guys with us. I was like, "Hey, how about we go out there? We're, we're the heels. How about we go out there and break it up? That'll that'll make it look right." And and um, the owner was like, "Yeah, it's fine." And so we did. We ran out. We hit the ring. Um, I was, you know, jumped on, jumped on. We jumped on the faces and uh, the good guys and kind of put a beat down on them. But I mean, we weren't rough with them. We didn't thump them. We didn't attack them you know we were just kind of like and i i explained to him after but but it caused the disqualification and you know i told micah and Derek, i was like hey just just stomp them out with us and we kind of stomped them out and they held up the belts and you know we left like the nwo would do sure. um and when we got to the back i i tried to explain to him i was like you know the, the the other guys were unhappy and thought we were just you know they didn't understand and um, I told him, I was like, look, guys, the, these other old timers were going to come out and try and put you in their place. And, and, it, 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 and you're right. They, they probably would have, too. Yeah. I mean, they would have went out there and they would have took straight up 100% liberty. Yep. And wouldn't have gave no explanation and two shits about it in the right. back. Yep. And then, of course, Derek and Mike are probably going to be like, well, what the, what the hell? You know, and mm-hmm. it would have caused a bigger issue, probably. So, yeah. I mean, it's probably for the better that it went the way it did. Yep. Yep, and that's and and that's that's how that story goes. And so what Micah told you is not wrong, but it's also only about a third of the story. <laughs> so how long was you? How long were you guys running with you know NEW and um, AS, uh, ASW? ASW uh, there in Arkansas. How long of a? So we did we did six weeks at where we were doing both. Okay, and then we did another six weeks where we were just oh. Jimmy Carrot was with us for every single one. I forgot about that's where I got close with Jimmy Carrot actually. Okay. okay. Um, but Jimmy Carrot, uh, well, then, then we did six more weeks um, with NEW. So it was it was just for six weeks we went down, did NEW Friday night, then went over and did uh, uh, the other one, um, and then we did six more weeks where we just went down for NEW. Now was there was there ever a time where you guys could have gone back down or did it? Did they shop? Are they even still around back? You know, to this day. So NEW is not around. Okay. Um, there was some stuff with Ken Wayne. Um, you can Google it. I don't want to get into it. No. Not, 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 not my place to comment on it. No, it's not. Um, I, I know that. Uh, I know. I know they continued to run a little bit. 
Um, and the plan was to continue going down to NEW. Um, but at the end of that 12 weeks, I got married. And that... Never, I never ended up making the connections to get back down there. Okay. Um, and, then, and then they closed. I think they had closed within a year or two. So, you know, it wasn't... They, they didn't have a... They weren't around for a long... Well, it was within a year or two that I had kind of reached out and been like, Hey, could, could I maybe come back down again? And the, the connection I had was like, Oh, they don't even... They don't even run anymore. Like, if you want to, you know, if you want to come down and see Bruno, because Bruno was still working with the WWE. Right. Um, so, you know, they were kind of like, hey, if you want to come down and get in front of Bruno, we could probably make that happen. But NEW has been down for a while. So I really don't know when NEW closed. Okay. Um, so after all the fun and all that stuff, PWA, I know, and, and for a lot of the people, uh, they don't know this, is that a lot of the guys from New Midwest and some of the other parts is what became PWA today. Right. A lot of those guys are still here. Some have come and gone. Some have come and gone, come and gone, come and gone. <laughs> some are gone. Yeah. Um, wh- how did you how did you get your foot in PWA 100% full-time, all-time now? <clears throat> um, so mainly it happened... Uh, I, I had the NEW stuff had ended. Uh, I was living the married life, and I was not sure what was going to happen next. You know, I, I had a few. You know, I'd, I'd get called for this show, that show. Um, I th- I think I had been doing the Glory stuff, and had even I think the Glory stuff had even it, it was wrapping up then. Um, and, and so I was kind of looking, uh, like, what's going to be the next thing? Am I, am, am I done? You know, um, I'm married now. Do I do that? <laughs> you know, is it, is it family time? And just, you know, now wrestling is this thing I used to do. Um, and some of the NMW guys had started working with PWA. And uh, I went to a couple shows to watch my friends wrestle. And... Just being 100% honest was kind of like, Ugh, maybe, <laughs> maybe, maybe I'm ready to be done with this. <laughs> you know, maybe, maybe it's not not uh, a terrible idea if this is my swan song. Right. Um, and uh, <clears throat> I, I think the first show I ended up working was a battle royal show where they just were kind of like, Hey, you want to come work this battle royal? One of the guys was like, hey, you know, you want to come work the Battle Royal? I was like, I fine, whatever. Um, so I went and worked the Battle Royal. And, man, if I remember right, when I showed up, they were like, are you working the Battle Royal? I was like, yeah. And they were like, well, then you need, like, a real match because we're not just going to let Guy Smith work in the battle royal <laughs> you know like right. if guy smith's gonna be here you need to have a real match and i was like i kind of just okay whatever because i love wrestling and i won't say no <laughs> you know like like i might him and haw but i'm not gonna say no if you want me to wrestle um <clears throat> and it just it it just happened very quick where um 
you know, some of the guys who I was iffy about made good impressions. And so I decided I could trust them. And then they asked me to come on and asked me to help and asked me to um, help with the booking and asked me. And it just kind of happened quick enough that I never second guessed it. <laughs> you know, it was just, it was just kind of sliding back into what I'd been doing for 10 years, you know, at that point. So you're in PWA, things are rolling. Um, we, we, we run all the way back to when we started the, the program today. Is I, I came in. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> I stepped foot in your guys' locker room. I believe it was February because I came back the next time and I was told there was no ref and I was asked if I could do the show <laughs> that night. And I was just throwing a shirt and said, here you go. Um, there's the guys go tell talk to them yada yada. So with it being at, at that point in time, so here you are, you're in PWA, you're 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 kind of running how things are running through the the, the curtain. Mm-hmm. When I walked into the locker room and came up and said, Hey, my name is blah blah blah, here's this is why I'm here. What was because then it wasn't Billy Alexander, it was just it was just me. Right. You know. Uh, what was your first initial thought when this guy just kind of walks in and you're just kind of like, and like, what was it that, what, what, what did you, did you see anything that was there? Did you just kind of like, eh, cool. We got somebody that can do something. Um, so I, I remember, I remember when you first came in, I remember you kind of came through the locker room and kind of introduced yourself to everybody and told us good show. And, I remember when you walked out, and I was uh, I was like, "Who is that? What the, what the fuck? You know, I mean, cool, but thanks, but who is that?" Um, and I'm always kind of I'm very protective of the locker room during a show. Like, I don't want I only want wrestlers in the locker room. Um, I wish today that stayed the same. I, I there's so many people that run in and out of the locker room for no fucking reason. I mean, that's just that's just part of how the thing goes. You know, that's 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 everywhere. But yeah, that's that's always my thing. Is like you know, there's the wrestlers need a place where it's just us and there's not fans and lighting people and whatever. And the refs count for that refs and managers. And you know what I mean? Um, but that's neither here nor there. Um, so I was just kind of like, who the, the, you know, who's that? And, uh, I remember somebody said you were the wrestling revival guy. And I was like, what the, isn't that what it was? What was the, or the, uh, at that time it was, was ringside news, ringside news. Okay. Ring, ringside news. Uh, somebody was like, ah, it's the Ringside News guy. I was like, what the fuck is Ringside News? And they were like, ah, it's this website. And I was like, oh, good, another crime fighter. And Nowhere <laughs> was, near as much as crime fighter, but sure, okay, well, I get it. At well, the first yeah, you know. Goddamn crime fighter again. Well, you know, no, I've, I've always been a supporter of crime fighter, but crime fighter was, you know, an internet journalist. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, like, like that, you know, I was just like, okay, another guy who's, you know, going to do that kind of stuff and probably create a bunch of drama because people don't like what they're writing about him. <laughs> you know, what he writes about him. Um, and uh, then I think it was the very next show. Maybe there was one show in between, but like at the very next show, uh, somebody came up to me and they were like, we don't have a ref. And I was like, how do we not have a fucking ref? <laughs> you know? And they were like, uh, I, I don't know. I'm just going to, I'm going to see if the, if uh, the, uh, ringside news guy can do it and I was and and I was like okay whatever great American journalist in here acting like a referee yep. count? <clears throat> well and then well you know I, I no, I never did that um because man 
ref the the indie ind, independent referees are the most hit and miss. You know, so I have long like 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 when you have a good one and they're good and that's great, but I have long since learned to be able to run my matches whether there's a ref there or not. You know what I mean? Because I know half the you know more than half the time I'm going to end up with some schlub who doesn't care about wrestling, who is the uh, promoter's brother, you know, sister, whatever. Kid. Yeah, you know. Um, sometimes they're, you know, uh, I don't want to say, you know, sometimes they're people who can't wrestle for mental reasons or physical reasons, right. you know, or whatever. Um, and they ref instead, but they re- they really can't ref either. You know what I mean? And I love all those guys. And I appreciate all those guys. And I'm not downplaying anybody. I'm stating facts. You know, I'm not judging anybody. I'm stating facts. Because I've also had some, I've had some that, mentally could not be wrestlers who are also really good refs. I'm not saying that just because they are. I'm just saying you never know what you're going to get. So I have long since learned that how to work my matches where the ref doesn't matter. Um, So I was just like, okay, whatever. As long as he can wear a shirt and count to three, let's go. Um, And But then, uh, you know, you turned out to be a really good ref. I remember right from the get-go, like, you know, this guy has... This guy seems like he has seen wrestling before. You know, that's that's the thing. I always, I'll, you know, sometimes you get out there with refs who just are all over the place and doing stuff, and I'm just like, have you ever even watched a wrestling match before? Right. What the what is going on here, man? What do you why why I've did you think? Before. Yeah, you know. Um. So you know, you you were a good ref right off the bat, and and I appreciated that, and that's. Just, Honestly, that's, that's that's really the extent of my memory of it. Is like, okay, good, he's good at this, great. Right, and it kind of just kind of grew from there mm-hmm. on, on everything around. Yep. Um, PWA was 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 really getting there. Was getting on the time uh, there at the time, and then we decided to take one more step, and mm-hmm. that was creating the first Pinfall Academy class. Right. Um, I remember. I remember the day the ring showed up. The very first ring. I remember that day. It came in on a truck. Um, it was it was myself, Brian Ely. Uh, I think Archie was there. And maybe two other people were there when they dropped it off. And, and me at the time, seeing what it is there, and then actually seeing it come off the truck, it was two different things. Because you're like, you're really excited. Cause it's a new toy. It's a present. You're getting yeah. ready to unwrap it and see what it is. You get it in the building. You're just like, fuck, what do we do with it now? <laughs> so then you hurry up, get it all put together. The wood shows up, we get it on. I remember doing the the, the, the posts, the, the videos, the everything else, and, and the phone calls, the messages, and everybody, all these people. Oh man, I want to be part of your school. And we've all seen the ones that have come in, one hundred percent all the way through. And we've seen the ones that come in and go, yeah, no thanks. Yeah, because it, it's, it's it's not for everybody. It's pro wrestling. Everyone in the world thinks it's easy and they can do it. And we proved that. Right. That it's not, that's not. That's right. not. Right. Pro wrestling is not for everybody. Um, our first class was like 13 fucking people. That first night. Our first night was 13 yeah. people. <laughs> and I remember the picture. Uh-huh. They're, they're, they're like spread across in chairs. Yep. <clears throat> and there was like two or three of them. And it was kind of like, uh, like, what am I going to do here? Yeah. Um, by third night, you had your class. And... I remember because we, we created, we, we, we started on some stars then. Some have gone well beyond what we thought they could do. And some are in better places at this time. Some are 
just here in PWA. Mm-hmm. Some were here and now are gone or whatever. Um, how how did it come for them to come up and say, we're opening a training academy right here. This is how it's going to work. Oh, and by the way, you need to be the head trainer. We want you to do it. Was it just they just come uh, up kind of just say, went hey. like kind of just went just like that. <laughs> uh, I mean, they they had always kind of. Uh, uh, I, I've always part of what made New Midwest so successful in Springfield was that we always had the school open. It was you know for for the for the majority of the golden age of New Midwest, it was. And, and even to the point where, you know, most of the time we considered it school first, show second. Sure. You know, um, and it kind of morphed away from that as it will, because um, the show is the glory part, you know. But uh, having that background, you know, having having the school kind of build the foundation and bring new people in and, and the kids that are, you know, the students that are excited about it are talking to friends, family, everybody about it and putting it out there um, spreads the word of mouth and gets more people and then, you know, their friends want to come see them and then they come see see their friend wrestle, but then, hey, this was a lot of fun. I'm going to come back, you know, for the show. You know what I mean? And it just <coughs> kind of grows. And, you know, that, that has always been whenever I was asked, like, what's the difference between PWA and New Midwest? New Midwest had the school, you know, um, and they had always kind of because they they they, they had all come from uh, companies, three CW and other companies that had had schools attached to them. Um, that was just kind of for our generation. That was just kind of things we had to learn first, <laughs> you know. Um, we and and so we all kind of had schools that put on shows that then became whatever they became. Um, so, but I mean, so that had always kind of been from the beginning, like. You know, that's the thing that that's the element that's missing. Um, and then they were kind of like when they kind of decided it's time to pull the trigger, you know, they were basically like, hey, we're going to start the school. Um, we want to have your name on it so that we can have Harley's name on it. <laughs> you know, and I was like, yeah, OK, great. So the Academy, which has reopened, mm-hmm. um, is in its one, two, three, fourth location. Um, we did JC's, then we went to Jefferson, right? And then we went to Auburn because I remember walking in that day. Yeah, and I guess this call is from okay, Jay yeah. uh, You need to come to the building. There's a note on our door. I go to the building. There's this note, and I'm like, "What in the world?" Yeah. So while while Brian Ely is in the other room cussing and throwing a fit on the phone, crying about whatever, I'm on the internet and I'm already making a phone call. And I said, "Hey," I was like. Uh, is this building still open? And this guy's like, yeah, man. And I'm like, yeah, the pictures. And he sent me two pictures. I'm like, it's perfect. It's big enough. And we went straight to that building that night yep. that we got our letter at Jefferson and walked in there and I looked around and saw everything. I took pictures from one end to the other and everything. I had an office attached to it, which didn't really matter. But it was enough room for ring, calisthenics, and everything else needed. Mm-hmm. And it worked. And we mm-hmm. did it. Um, but yeah, we're, we're in our fourth location. It's now open again. Um, what was your, I guess, what's the best part of Pinfall Academy for you? Is it the fact that you get to take what you know and jam it down the the trainees' throats so they understand that this is what pro wrestling really is? 
Or is it the fact that you get to help create something and watch it grow and hope it works? Um, he's silent. I mean, I, I, I asked a question <laughs> that he's got to think on now. Yeah. Uh, I, I guess, you know, it, it just comes back to... Um, what what made me love wrestling was doing it. Okay. And we're we're talking before crowds, before paid shows, before um you know, b- before I, I was traveling, you know, before before I knew what the business looked like, getting in the ring and taking bumps. And learning holds and practicing moves and the physicality and uh, going to you know then then starting to study and and watch back and seeing things that I've never saw on saw on seeing things I've never saw on before and studying and learning about the business made me love the business so. To, to be able to in a place where now I, I come and you know I'm the one who introduces people to the business and and to get back in the ring and you know back to you know pureness you know of working in the ring and learning how to do this thing in the ring um, I guess that's probably what I you know what I appreciate about it what I like about it now I know that there we we've talked <clears throat> this is this is a little while back we talked about it that was there a time in your career in the professional wrestling here that you were just like I don't want to do this anymore I, I I've done what I wanted I did that I've been there but right now I just don't feel like doing this anymore I don't feel like this is me I don't feel it needs me here. I know that we had talked at one time. There was a part you were kind of like, eh. Um, well, that's that's the thing I would say is there's always, you know, there there have definitely been parts, you know. Um, I, I've never quite felt. I mean, I, I go through all the time moments where I'm I'm wondering like how how much longer is this, you know, and and how much more or what's next or where am I now you know what is it to me now what is it you know I have to redefine what wrestling is in my life um and there's definitely um I I was telling them when when we were in Auburn I was telling them for a year that we're done in Auburn and you should close the school we're not we're not getting new students we're not (laughs) you know what I mean like I've been telling them for a while probably more than a year like hey this needs to be we need to be done here. Um, and then a big part of that was that I was burned out on the training and, and you know, I, I was not enjoying coming out and, you know, sometimes we'd have no students and sometimes we'd have the students I didn't, you know, necessarily want to, you know, we needed to do things I didn't necessarily want to work on, you know, or whatever, you know. Um, there's There's been times where... Yeah, man, showing up to the shows wears me out, and and I'm going, you know, um, 
I'm, I'm having, you know, I'm having cancellations and, and trying to run and, <clears throat> you know, yeah, there's definitely been times. Um, and, and to, to pinpoint any one time where I was like, maybe I'm done, you know, other, other than like, right as I was married, you know, that first year of marriage, um, and that was not so much that I was burned out on wrestling, just as much as I was reevaluating my life and, you know, wrestling was on a downspin at the moment. Sure. So it was kind of like, uh, maybe this is, maybe it's not on a downspin. It's, it's petering out type of thing. Um, any other time, I mean, this is just a part of what I do and a part of who I am. So it, it's never as much a question of like, Am I done? And more of a question of like, what now? How's it changing? Is it, um, you know, is it going to be different going ahead? How's it going to be different? <clears throat> well, as everybody knows around the world, uh, there's a pandemic that's happened that's caused a lot of issues with not only families and, and people losing jobs and people can't go do their normal grind. Uh, we haven't had a show in three months. Yeah. Well, it'll be coming up on three months this month, of course. Yeah. Um, how hard is that, being a full-time wrestler, knowing that, yeah, I can go by the academy and I can still bang around and, and hit the ropes and whatever, but I can't go out there and do what I need to do for said show. Um, how does that How does that play in your mind? I mean, does that, does that kind of eat away at you at all? Or um, To be honest, it hasn't eaten away at me. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, you know, it, it's not because I, I'm not at a place anymore where I'm trying to make this my livelihood. Um, I'm not trying to make it to the WWE. I would flat out tell AEW I'm not interested, you know, like, um, I, so it's just kind of like an extended vacation for me. Okay. Um, A chance, you know, kind of like I talked about earlier, you know. Um, step back, reflect. Yeah, step back and reflect, and and it's it's good to kind of miss it because, um, you know, I, I I do a lot at the shows and and I do a lot, uh, you know, at the academy, you know, training when I when when I'm here, and, um, you know, I probably needed to miss it a little bit and uh, take a step back and. And sort of reevaluate some things and how I want to go at some things. And just, uh, you know, hopefully in the next month or so we'll get back on track. And I'll, I'll, come, back, I'll come back a little fl- fresher. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because there's, there's a lot of guys and girls out there that, that one, it's, it, it's just really, it's really eating away at them that they can't be in a ring. Mm-hmm. Um, now, whether that, that they are the, the veterans of the business or they're the guys that are girls that are just so many years in. There's a lot of them out there that are having that issue, but there's also a lot of them that are, this is their time to sit back and reflect, like you're saying, but also be able to heal properly from maybe some nagging injuries that people don't know about, Hopefully. or just other things outside and maybe family and stuff like that as well. Mm-hmm. Um, it sucks. Yes, it does. Um, do I love wrestling? Yeah, I do. Do I like be able to come to a show? And, 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 and Yes, I do. If I didn't, I wouldn't be here anymore. Right. Um, I had to find something to keep my mind occupied with wrestling of some sort, which mm-hmm. is, is why I do a lot of different podcasts and, and, and videos and, and everything else. Um, do I want to get back into the swing to where I can show up at our building and walk in and go, 
show day, here we go, baby, it's time. You know, feel that adrenaline start going again? You're goddamn right I do. When is that going to happen? I don't know. We don't know. Right. Nobody knows. There's states that are opening. There's there's other places that are supposedly going to start running shows and a certain capacity. Yep. Uh, even the big boys, you know, they're told they're able to possibly be having fans back, but it depends on where they go, and they're only going to be able to have so many. Right. Have you watched any wrestling on TV since this has happened? Uh, I, I watched everything up through WrestleMania. Okay. I have not watched anything since WrestleMania. WrestleMania. Okay. Some of the things I saw on WrestleMania was okay. Was okay. I I liked the theatrical 1980s style action. Uh, the Boneyard match. Boneyard. I match. loved the Boneyard match. I thought it was something put together really, <laughs> yeah. really awesome. I really yeah. enjoyed it. Um, there was other matches I watched that I just, I just couldn't get into because I haven't watched. Everything up to WrestleMania. Right. I haven't watched a, a Monday Night Raw or even a SmackDown, and I couldn't tell you how long because by the time I get a chance to round to it, because my work schedule is all over the place, yeah. I usually just go to WWE's Facebook page and I see three, four minutes of a match. I already know what's going on, what the story is. I don't need to watch three hours of TV. Right. Uh, and same thing with SmackDown. Um, I watched every single episode of AEW up to. Their last pay per view, and then it goes COVID nineteen hit. Yeah, I've used some website that I've watched some of the shows, and I've caught some of the Raw and Smackdowns now, or even the pay per views. It's not the same. It's just weird to to, to watch. But WrestleMania had a few good things mm-hmm. and a <clears throat> lot of really shitty things, and you see difference. So you can be in a crowd watching it, or or watching your TV with the crowd and everything in it. You don't certainly catch every whatever, but when there's no crowd and you're watching the two guys or two girls or whatever it is on that match, you see everything that match is from yeah. start to finish. You catch the, the flub or the botch or the mistake or the top. You catch everything. Mm-hmm. And it's a way different experience. Yeah. But I like the Boneyard match. I like how they put it together. It made me think of like an old style so, knockdown, drag out fight. For real. Um, well, let me come back to that. Let me, let me uh, first of all talk about the empty arena matches, the empty arena shows. Um, because on, on one hand, um, I get that. Like, like I get what you're saying. Uh, I, I acclimated very quickly. Um, and maybe part of that is that so much of my life has been spent watching practice matches um, and, you know, critiquing guys, pr- critiquing students. In front of no crowd, sure. <laughs> you know what I mean. Um, that after the first, after kind of the shock of like watching a, an actual WWE show with no crowd, after that shock kind of wore off, um, I almost felt like I zeroed in on the matches a little more. And and for the first time in a long time, I I was not watching the crowd and judging the reaction. And and I I, I get almost a little annoyed with fans these days because there are so many programmed responses like if there's you know like every match gets a this is awesome chant every match gets a you know uh, a boo yay reaction every and you know almost to where it's it doesn't even for the crowd it feels less earned you know what i mean um 
so like sometimes that distracts me. Um, sometimes seeing the crowd just go nuts for a guy because it's that guy, right? Which is cool to see. I'm not saying I don't like seeing that. Like it's cool to see a guy who is coming on and hitting on all cylinders. I've loved watching Drew McIntyre as he is built and and earned and become his guy. He's finally you know? back to where he was when he originally was there the first time. Well, and, and he been- and he earned it this time, you yeah. know. Um, but so so once that's all away, it's a different experience and one I, I, I actually got to enjoy. Like I got to, I don't want wrestling to become a crowdless sport. I don't even want I don't want WWE to become a crowdless right. endeavor, you know you know what I mean? Um, <clears throat> although maybe I, I, I could see that. I, we can talk about that if you want. Um, but I, I really got to enjoy. I really kind of honed in on the matches a little more. I really got to enjoy kind of watching and maybe even a little more appreciative of some of the WWE superstars who I could see, like, you know, kind of study their work a little closer and say, like, oh, these, these guys are real deal. They're real artists. They're not just fashion models and they're not just bodybuilders right. that are going out there in front of the crowd like oh yeah this guy's legit and oh look at this match and these guys are really turning it up and throwing it out there um there were several matches on uh wrestlemania that i really liked and um i, I not that i wouldn't have enjoyed them as much with a crowd going nuts for it but sometimes that crowd can go the other... You know, sometimes the WrestleMania crowd will surprise you and they'll completely turn on somebody for reasons... Right. For reasons, you know. Um, so I, I really enjoyed WrestleMania. I really thought they did a good job, of, you know, even though there was no crowd. And, you know, WrestleMania is always supposed to be, you know, the population of a, of a small, of a medium-sized town. Right watching one wrestling show you know and that's part of the wrestlemania feel um i thought they still kind of felt like wrestlemania was something extra something out of the ordinary something special even without that and so i was kind of impressed with that um the boneyard match i was a huge fan of um we can get 10 more years of Undertaker if he just does Boneyard matches, right? right? <laughs> you know, so I'm, I'm all in on that. Um, I really liked the uh, uh, the Bray Wyatt, uh, the Fiend. the was like a trip the, out of nowhere, man. Uh, the Playhouse. So I'm a huge horror fan. I love the night. I did not know that about you. Yeah. Oh, I love, I love horror movies. That's awesome, man. I, um, I enjoy a good horror film. Yeah. Yep, I enjoy a bad horror film. <laughs> uh, okay, so horror films. Yeah, um, my very first horror film. I was I was a little kid. Yeah. Um, my my grandmother. Uh, okay, so my family's from Beardstown, and um, I know you've been through Beardstown. So when you come to that main stoplight, right into Beardstown, and if you go left, you go off to the meat plant, mm-hmm. and there's like a little liquor store right here. If you go straight, you know, to the festival, of course. That area right there, the stoplight where the, the truck wash and and I don't even know what, what, what sits on the hill now, but from the pallet place, all that property to the stoplight, all the way back to the truck wash before you hit the forest product place, yep. all that property was my grandmother's. Okay. So they had the house on the, the hill that was a uh, 76 gas station ran by grandpa and my two uncles right there on the corner. Yeah. 
behind that, where the truck washing all set, used to be the drive-in, the old Starlight drive-in in Beardstown. Uh-huh. My grandparents owned that. Oh, wow. So when I was a little kid, my first horror film, I think I was four or five, I was, I was in the, sleeping in the backseat of the car, and I had woke up to peek up at the, the movie screen at the time, and it was, it was a Friday the 13th movie, um, and the part that I had just kind of peeked up to see what was going on was uh, the girl was, was dangling off of the, the dock, and he reaches up and jerks her into the water off the dock. I, I can't, I don't, it's part three, part four, <laughs> I don't remember. Anyway, at, at that point in age, did not know what that was, didn't know what was going on, scared the shit out of me, flopped right back into the back seat, went back to sleep, and then I'm, I'm 40 years old, and I've watched every horror film I can get my hands on, good, bad, mids, shit, everything yeah. you can think of. I have my favorites. I've got my cult classics, and I've got the shitty shit ones that are just, oh my God, I love it. <laughs> I did not know you were a horror fan. Yeah. That is awesome, and that's good to know, man. Yeah, no, um, and uh, yeah, man, I've always been a horror fan. Well, not always, um, but early on, my, my first real memory of watching a horror movie was um, Nightmare on Elm Street 5, The Dream, Dream, Dream Child. Dream Child. No, Dream, yeah, that's right, because it was... Dream Warriors is 3. 3, yep. Um, and uh, that was at a friend's house, because my mom did not like horror, oh. and we did not we were not allowed to have horror in the house. So anytime I would see something like that, um, it would be at a sleepover or sure. something. Um, that's that's the first one I remember. I know I'd seen other stuff. Um, I have I have very vague memories of seeing parts of the original Amityville. That's a good one. Yeah. Um, my mom tells the story, and I I've only ever kind of half believed it. She tells the story that I watched uh, the second Psycho. In at a drive-through, you know, she we had gone to a drive-through, and she assumed, you know, it was a movie I could watch, and she assumed I'd be a half through the second one, which was this second Psycho, um, and I, it turned out I stayed up, watched the whole thing. I don't remember that at all, um, and she, but her her thing is, she claims that you know, there's a scene where. Uh, the kid hits his mother with a shovel and that's and the next day I had this little toy snow shovel that I hit her with and <laughs> she, you, you know so I don't know that I don't know that I ever oh, believed that shit. it was always kind of her uh, she, she would bring that up when when I would want to watch a horror movie and she'd be like no it affects you and I'd be like that's nonsense and, <laughs> it and then and then yeah then, then she'd tell me that story and so I, I only ever half believed it but um yeah, man. When, when I really became a horror guy was when uh, I could drive myself to the video store. Sure. And, you know, for 16 years of my life, well, let's say 10 years of my life, I'd been walking family video shelves, looking at all the horror covers. And the horror covers are were great, man, because they're made to be like visceral and like you know like oh what make you grab them you know i mean all all covers are yeah all covers are supposed to do that obviously but horror ones stood out to me because they were the ones that like i couldn't get you know so i'd walk by a horror movie i'd be like ah you know and i i remember looking at i'd just look at horror movies and so for like 10 years that was it and all of a sudden i'm 16 and uh, i can drive myself to the video store and rent movies and by then i had like TV in my own room, um, 
or you know there were lots of weekends where my mom would be out of town and I could stay by myself for a whole weekend at that point so anytime she'd be out of town like I would drop her off at the train station uh, plane station to take her other ride and I would be on my way. Yeah, I would stop at the video store on the way home, rent every horror movie I could. Yeah, well, you were only allowed six, but yeah. I'd, rent, I'd rent six horror movies and I'd just go home and marathon them. Like, and, and ever since then, that's just, I, I love horror movies. What, what's your top three horror movies? Top three horror movies. Halloween. The 78? 78, of course. Okay. Of course, 78. Not the Rob Zombie. Well, I wouldn't say, I mean, there's just, 19 million of them by now. Yeah, for sure. No, the original Halloween. Okay. Um, the Ring. The American the American version of The Ring. Okay, okay. Um, <clears throat> third. There's there's a lot there's a lot that roll in that, that, that could come into that third spot. Um, probably the one I watch the most is Phantasm. <laughs> now, don't get me wrong. It, 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 for the time and the story of how that movie was, it was fantastic. Yeah. Um, I've seen every one of them they've ever done. I really enjoyed the first one because it's just something you've never seen. Yeah. And I liked two and three. After that, I didn't really care much for it. Now, I know they just did one not too long ago. <laughs> yeah, man. Basically. They, I, I've, seen, I've seen all five and they are bananas. And I, I, man, they're tough. They're not good. Like they are not good. But I love, I love watching the first one. Um, you know, I also, I, I'm a huge fan. Probably like, like I watch that one a lot just because it has a certain feel to it, a certain tone to it. Um, I watch. Uh, I also love. The old Universal ones, in particular, like the Bela Lugosi Dracula. Oh, okay, yeah. Love that movie. Universal monsters and mm-hmm. stuff. Yeah. yeah. So, um, my top three. Yep. Um, I go with the original '74 TCM Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Okay. Only because of the backstory behind how they made the movie and how terrible it was for the actors to do yeah. everything they had to do in that movie. Yep. Um. I am a Halloween guy. I okay. love the original Halloween. It's so good. I've seen every single one of them, every one they've put out. I'm really waiting to see the new one they're coming up with. But um, I, I really, really like John Carpenter. Uh, yeah. He's got a lot of good stuff out there. All um, his movies are great. The other one I really liked is in, in my top three. Now, I could give you top 10, 15, 20, 30. Um, I have to go with The Thing. The Thing? The okay. Thing. Um, because at first, you don't know what it is. You yeah. don't know what's going on. And... It puts you in the premise of, well, what if I was in that predicament? I mean, like, in the middle of nowhere, yeah. uh, there's nobody to come and help you, and you got to figure out what's to do, and then all of a sudden there's this thing, and you, it, those are my top three. Yeah. Um, can I watch a lot of them over and over? Um, you give me the original Nightmare on Elm Street, I'll watch it ten times in one day. <laughs> uh, the best, in my opinion, yeah. the best kill scene in horror films today was when Johnny Depp all yeah. over his bedroom. It's, <laughs> it's certainly yeah, it's certainly one of the most unique for sure. Um, but yeah, that that maybe might be my top three. Um, and, and the list can go on and on, and I've, and I've got lots of them. But I didn't know you were a horror fan. That's awesome. Um, 
that could come in handy sometime down the line. Yeah. Um, but you were speaking of the Bray Wyatt and uh, the Funhouse match because yep. of the horror aspect. Well, what I was coming to say with that was I love the Nightmare series. And that whole thing was just like a Nightmare on Elm Street nightmare. Right. Uh, for John Cena, yeah. And um, I was totally into it, you know. And I fully expected... Part of it was that I was caught off guard because even though I really liked the Boneyard match, I fully expected the Funhouse match to be the same thing, essentially. Um, and we've we've seen that before. They did with uh, Bray Wyatt and Randy Orton. They did like... The at house that, in Missouri. The yeah, at the, at the Orton... Com- or the Wyatt compound, right? Um, they did one of those. And so I was really just expecting it to be another one of those. And... I was not going to like it better. Like, like it just like the Undertaker. It just fit the Undertaker. You know what I mean? And that that whole thing was so great. I mean, even when they, you know, when they went full full on fantastic with it and dumped him in the grave, but then he appeared behind right. AJ Styles, and when he was calling down lightning and making explosions, like I was into it. Um, so I was not like, and so it was just going to be, but then they went a completely different way for the fun house and it was completely something different. I did not expect it. It was goofy, but you know, and, and like, like there was, there was a split second where I was like, this is weird, but I think, I think because, you know, and so I think, I, I think I snapped into it right away because it was so reminiscent of like a nightmare on Elm street dream people who maybe are not so into horror are not so into the nightmares you know that kind of thing like i could see them not picking up on it right right away you know what i mean like and then it kind of being a little more like what the hell is this like what am i what am i watching right now when i when i when it it was over and finished i kind of looked over my wife and she just looked at me i could tell (laughs) i could tell her looks to me you know 14 years will get to you and you you have the three looks of of what the fuck? <laughs> uh, you're in deep shit, or uh, just run. Yeah. And I got the what the fuck look, and I'm like, I looked at her, and I looked back at the screen, and said, I mean, I liked it, but what the fuck did I just watch? Right. And I had to like go back on it again, and was like, okay, I'm getting it. And then I think the first thing I saw online after everything was all over with was somebody posted something about it, and they're like, I think Bray Wyatt won. And I kind of chuckled about it because I mean, it wasn't <laughs> yeah. really a match, but um, but yeah, I mean it was it, it, it was it was it was downright crazy. It was fun, yeah. um, and it wasn't something that we could sit back and just go, God, ugh. you know. It, 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 and and it makes me be, it makes me wonder how the next pay per view is going to go because there were pictures that were put out, and now we know what it is because it's already been announced. But uh, I caught it a few weeks after WrestleMania that they were doing Money in the Bank on top of the fucking Titan Towers right. in Stanford. Well, this morning I get on the network to catch up on a few things and I press the deal. I'm like, wait a minute, Money in the Bank's today? I'm like, wait a minute, that's like a week or two. I click it and it's just the commercial and it's literally running the camera all the way up the floors of the, the tower and then in there I'm like, holy shit, they are really going to do it. <laughs> the age of WWE has, yes, it's sports entertainment. It's right. not wrestling as we know it. Has really decided to take things and just turn it upside down and make it completely interesting on one on one way or another and I'm, I'm excited to see how that turns out as I did with some of Wrestlemania even though some of it I wasn't really yeah, but some of that stuff I really was like okay this is this is insane yeah um, 
but yeah, the, the Boneyard match, the the, the Firehouse or the, the the Firefly match or show or Nightmare or whatever it was. Um, I was really hoping for some more on some of WrestleMania 36, um, and it's really hard to gauge some of that. Um, were all the matches good? Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's wrestling. So, um, I don't have the, the horror part is what threw me out. So we, I, had to go, I had to go there. <laughs> no, yeah, brought that good. aspect in. So that, that's good. really cool to know, man, that we have something in common like that besides wrestling. Um, that's really neat. Um, I think this would be a good part one stop. I mean, we, we, yeah. we've ran from when I first met you to your first step into Pinfall Academy as the, the first set to start training. And then we could lead that into the next time when we talk about some of those guys or and girls um, and where they are today and stuff. And, and the other one, I'll have to go back through my papers and find some more stuff to chit chat. Uh, man, my we we like we kind of this was like a highlight, yeah, cliff notes of my career, man. If if you want to do more, if your fans want to hear more, um, we can talk about my first, my, you know, my trips outside, my trips to Missouri before I went to Harley's. You know, my first, we didn't cover any. I, I worked for a company there for a lot of years when I was with New Midwest. Um, that we didn't talk about at all. We didn't talk about anything I did. Um, over in uh, Danville area, you know, See, we didn't like that's, like, that's like two we, other, we 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 that's two we. Parts I didn't know until you man, bring we, that in. Yeah, so. we we barely scratched the surface. If you want to go back, we we we'd have to go back and and fill in some gaps. Um, yeah, man, we can we can do that. We can talk we can talk uh, more. We can talk about pinfall and and dig in. We only kind of scratched the surface of PWO. We right. talked about the first. You know what the first year of PWA, which has become ten years now, you know. Yes. So there's a lot. Literally, if, in like if, two if weeks. you if you if you and your fans want to hear more about Zero Hype Guy Smith, there is a deep well. To I don't want to hear anymore. I'm done after this. We don't want no more of that shit. <laughs> we can um, talk about we can talk about all my wrestling feuds. I can tell you everybody who uh, who I ever told to eat shit, and everybody who ever uh, told me to go fuck off. I've I've been there a few times when he's told a few of those guys he's wrestled to eat shit. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it's, it, it, it's, it's, it's a good thing because you, you get out of your element and uh, it, this isn't like this isn't like national television style news reporting. This is, this is I know you as a person, yeah. you know me as a person. Yep. I know a lot of what you've talked about. I've been there when you've told your stories and, right. and everything and stuff. And there's some stories that are really, really good that he, he didn't tell here. I know, that, I know there's, a, I think, another story he told. Uh, a while back when we were running up here, uh, when you did take a couple trips down and uh, how some things got wild. Uh, I think there was uh, somebody's house that was involved. Somebody got peed on or, or drank a bottle of pee or some shit. But we can get into that part too. <laughs> uh, but, no, we probably will. That's, a, that's, not a, that's not for prime time. Okay, yeah. Uh, but yeah, I mean, uh, Guy Smith, multi-time champion, not only just here for PWA, but some other companies as well. He's a great guy, guys. Um, he's got his own. He's got his own blogs. He's got his own videos. He does. Uh, go ahead and shoot your uh, stuff out there so they know where to go. All right. Uh, well, I, I have several projects. Goddamn. That I'll plug since we're here. You can always jump on my my, my first and foremost. Uh, you can always jump on my YouTube. You can find me at JM McCaffrey, or if you Google the Zero Hype Vlog, not Google, uh, but YouTube, if you search the Zero Hype Vlog, um, that's my personal channel. I got a lot of stuff up there. It's uh, been on hiatus this year a little bit, um, particularly since the, 
uh, it went on hiatus around Christmas time, and when we came back, I didn't. I, I was just starting to get back into some stuff when the pandemic hit. So um, we'll be back. There's there's tons to go watch. There's tons to go catch there's up on. on there, and and then as shit. and then as, as soon as we get off that, we will be back. I'll be back making content for that channel. Um, uh, I know you talked about. We talked about PWA, um, Pinfall Television on YouTube. Yep. Uh, you can catch all our matches and and see what everybody's talking about. Um, I, I, there's a ton of matches on there. Uh, let's see. And it's all pretty current stuff. Um, there's one show that needs to go up on that channel, um, and then we'll be all caught up, and it'll be it'll so. be all current. So there's all it's all from the last year and a half or so. Right. Uh, I also have the Drunk Wrestling Podcast. Now let me tell you about the Drunk Wrestling Podcast. <laughs> so I come across the first episode, and the, 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 the clip art picture, the, the, the part that gets you, is a picture of uh, A number one Tommy Arson and Guy Smith sitting at a desk or a table with the microphones and everything else, and there's just like 30 bottles of fucking liquor sitting on the fucking table. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, what the fuck is this? So I'm like, this has got to be golden shit because I know when they get drunk, this is going to be great, especially especially Arson. So I'm watching it and I'm listening in, and they they do they go and watch their shows and, and whatever. But it's like drink for drink for drink, it's bullshit. <laughs> drink to drink, it's bullshit. Um, it's good stuff, guys. I'm telling you, go ahead and, and uh, tell them. Yeah. So so we do we uh we we recently we we'll do like once a month where we'll kind of do like a modern. Or not a modern, but like a current events episode. Um, we did our. We watched a bunch of the. Uh, we, normally we do watch alongs. Well, we you know so we'll queue it up with the network. We'll give you a timestamp. You can watch along with us. Um, we, we're we're drunk and stupid, so it's it's usually it's usually a pretty decent listen, even if you're not going to watch along with us, because it's just two two twenty year wrestlers having some drinks and bullshitting. Um, but we we did just uh, we did our run up through WrestleMania, um, so we watched a bunch of WrestleMania main events, and then we reviewed this WrestleMania. So if you want to hear my full thoughts on everything that happened at WrestleMania 36, you can go there and check that out. Um, but we are about to start this week. We we just put up the episode. Um, we're gonna do watch alongs for all the nitros leading up to the. Uh, debut of the NWO, so that's the next six or seven weeks that we're going to be doing that. Um, Now, is that full on NWO or just as Hall and Nash first started walking in? Uh, We start. We started with the the very first episode that went up today is the is a watch along of the Nitro where Scott Hall shows up. Okay, and we're going to run. We're going to watch everything WCW through. Uh, Bash of the Beach '96, okay. where where Hogan turns. Yep, where the where the biggest thing in professional wrestling ever happened, and the world for some crashed forever. Right. So uh, you can find that that is Drunk Wrestling, and that's Drunk R A S S L I N. Um, you can find us on YouTube. You can find us on Spotify. Any any place where it's a podcast. So any place where there's podcasts, you should be able to find us. Um, it's a good time. And then uh, I'm also on the Geek Easy, which is uh, kind of a pop culture. It's been on hiatus since the pandemic started. Uh, but that's me and Pixel Dan, and we talk pop culture stuff there. No drinks. Uh, it's, it's a little more professional. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of Pixel Dan, uh, 
they're about to have a, it's like a baby, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like really soon. This month. I was going to say, because I, I remember I talk about, uh, mm-hmm. you get the phone call, he won't be at, yeah. Right. So, um, you know, well wishes there and everything else. That's, yeah. That's exciting. Yep. They're excited. We're excited. Uh, and stuff like that. Is there anything else you want to say, you wrestling, anything, I mean, just anything? I think that's all there is to say. That's all there is to say. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. I hope your fans enjoyed the episode, and uh, I hope they'll check out some of my other stuff. All right. Well, ladies and gentlemen, again, this is Billy Alexander from Behind the Mic. Again, special guest today was none other than multi-champion here in Central Illinois and around Zero Hype Guy Smith. He's also the head trainer for Pinfall Academy, which you can also follow on Facebook. Pinfall Wrestling Association also on Facebook. Zero Hype Guy Smith is also on Facebook. True. Guys, um, well over time today, but that's what happens when you get a good interview and a good talk to put down on a microphone. And that's what we had happen here today was a very good interview, a very good talk behind the said mic and everything else. I enjoyed it. I hope that uh, Guy Smith had a good time. That will be it for today, folks. There is no more. Get the fuck out of here. It is time to go home. <laughs>